I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, Bernie Madoff, is, uh, he's infamous for having pulled off the largest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. As a member of Wall Street's elite, uh, he convinced hundreds of people, maybe even thousands, I don't know the exact number, but uh, at least hundreds of people to invest their life savings in his hedge fund. Uh, month after month, year after year, he produced all the documents that they needed to show that their investments were actually growing at a, a nice, comfortable rate of return. I mean, 15% a year, that's a nice, comfortable rate of return. It, it's not like 20%, oh yeah, 15%, though, I, that's, that's pretty good return on investment there. And so people saw that and, and, and they got used to that and they, they loved Bernie. They loved him because he was getting all of this, making all of this money for them in his hedge fund. That is, they loved him until it finally came to light that he really wasn't investing any of their money. Instead of what he was doing, was he was putting it in a savings account, a basic savings account. And he was doing, if you're familiar with the Ponzi scheme, he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, he, he was taking in investors' money and he was using that money to pay other people off, other people who had invested money with him, but he really wasn't making any money. He was using that to pay off other debts and to live the lavish lifestyle that he had grown accustomed to living. He embezzled uh, in total $65 billion dollars. He defrauded people of $65 billion. He financially ruined people's lives all for the love of money. As shocking as Madoff's story is, in reality, this story reveals a common theme that runs throughout our culture, not just the American culture, but the culture of the world. Covetous deceit runs through the very fabric of our global culture. I mean, just think about it. I, I get texts weekly informing me that my Amazon, uh, my Amazon account or my Netflix account or some account has been compromised and I need to type in all of my personal confidential information so that they can get that stuff worked out. Uh, well, that's, of course, not Amazon and Netflix. That's some person somewhere in North, North Korea or some other country or here in America, somewhere behind a computer trying to scam people out of their money. You see, this is the kind of culture that runs, or the kind of theme that runs throughout all of our culture, not just the American culture, but every culture around the world is this characteristic of Covetous deceit. Covetous deceit is a common characteristic in this fallen world. But it's not supposed to be a common characteristic of God's people. 
as His church, as His assembled people, we are not to reflect the culture of the world, but we're to reflect the, uh, the character and the nature of God Himself. And so today, as we come to this next portion of our text in Deuteronomy, uh, this next portion of our text informs us, encourages us to live with perfect integrity. Live with perfect integrity. As God's people, we are to live with perfect integrity. Not almost perfect integrity. We're to live with perfect integrity. This is the call of today's text, which today's text is, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25. We'll be looking at verses 13 through 19. This actually brings to the end the body of this second sermon of Moses. So we still have one more chapter to go, and we'll cover that next chapter, all of it, next week. Uh, so one more chapter to go, and we'll be finished with the, the sermon on the Deuteronomic law. But as he brings this to an end, he calls God's people to live with perfect integrity. And today, as we, we look at this text, we're going to see, I want to give you three reasons we should live, you should live, dear Christian, with perfect integrity. So we're just going to kind of work through this text as we go. We've kind of been in that, uh, got that same theme throughout the last few weeks in this last section of Deuteronomy. Just kind of, kind of review here, kind of jog your memory of what we've covered He's been focusing in on covetousness, that last commandment. You shall not covet. You shall not covet. So he's dealing a lot with coveting and greed and that sort of theme here in these last few verses, last few uh, couple of chapters of Deuteronomy, uh, or of the Deuteronomic law. So back there in chapter 24, verse 17 through 25, 4, we learn that we are called to be generous towards the vulnerable. We're not to be covetous, not to be greedy, but we're to be generous toward the vulnerable. Then in chapter 25, verses 5 through 12, we're to be generous toward family members. And today we come down to being honest in our business dealings. That is, live with perfect integrity here in today's text. So, in this text, Moses begins then by identifying the issue. He starts by showing us the very issue that he wants to address. So let's begin there in verse 13. Look at verse 13. You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, and a, a large weight and a small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. A full weight uh, a full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have. And we're going to stop right there. Uh, we're to have a full and fair weight. Uh, the issue here, of course, we're, we, we're not quite used to dealing with these things. We still buy some things by weight and some things by measure, but usually it's already measured out and weighed out when we get there. Right, you go to the, the grocery store, you go down to Walmart, wherever you, got, you get your meat, and you go to the meat department, and, and you might buy uh, a rabbi. It's, it's date night, so you're going to buy a rabbi, and, and you're going to get it ready to, to grill up that night, and you're going to buy that rabbi by the pound, 
but it's already pre-weighed and packaged there for you. Even though you're buying it by the pound, it's already packaged the prices, exact prices on the package, so we don't really think about it. Produce is the same way. You buy a lot of your produce by the pound. I, I buy bananas every week, and every week i got to weigh them on the little scale there on the checkout line. I'm buying those bananas by their weight. Uh, and some things are, are by measure. They're measured out. You go buy a sack of flour where you're buying it by the, the ounces or the, the pound or, or whatever. But again, it's all measured out. It's all weighed out for you there in place. Now, you can read on the little tag, it's so much per ounce, but it's already there, and so you don't have to worry about it. Well, back then, they had to worry about it. Uh, back then, they weighed everything out right there, and they bought things by weight. They traded by weight, by measure. Uh, they didn't have all the time. They didn't have cash, and so uh, quite often, sometimes they did, but uh, everything was by weight or by measure. And so when you dealt with people, you purchase things by weight and by measure. And he said, uh, make sure that your weights are accurate. You're not to have a, a small weight and a big weight in your bag. Now, why would you have a small weight and a big weight? Well, according to if you're buying or selling. Right? If, if you're selling, you might put that one weight in there so that uh, it seems like there's more weight to the meat you're, you're selling somebody. But if you're buying, well, you want to change the weights around so that it looks like you're, you're getting uh, less meat. And, and so you, you get the better end of the deal. You're taking advantage of people. And, and Moses says, don't have that kind of stuff. You, you don't have that. And, and notice there, he, he says, don't have in your bag two weights don't have in your house two measures you're not even to have these you're not even to possess these things you're, you're not to have them in your possession so that you might be tempted to use them you're not to have them at all well that kind of brings something to mind doesn't it as we live to be followers of jesus christ we shouldn't even allow things in our houses. We shouldn't even allow things in our possessions that might tempt us to sin against God. Things that might even tempt us. Right? We, we, don't, we, we don't want to, but if it's in our presence, we might be tempted. We should ha not have anything in our lives that would even tempt us to sin against God. I'm just reminded of uh, a brother here in our, our, our church that uh, he, he told me a story one time. And I'm going to share it. I'm not going to say his name because I didn't ask him beforehand, but I'm going to share this, this story anyway. But there was a pastor here. He said, come on, we're going to go witness. And so he jumped up in the truck with him and said, all right, let's go. Where are we going? We're going down to the bar. And so they went down to one of the local bars here, and they went in, and they sat down at the bar, and of course they didn't order drinks or nothing, they drank water. But they sat down there, and people started coming in, and they would witness to people in the bar. I mean, what better place to witness people? They're there to drink and, and get drunk. They're looking for pleasure, and, and you give them Jesus. I mean, that's a good thing to do. Well, now, that's great for that preacher and this man, because... They had no problem with alcohol. But now, if you have a problem with alcohol, right, if you struggle with alcohol addiction, then that would not be the place for you to go. Uh, you, you need to go somewhere else in witness. You don't need to be going into that bar and, and being tempted by the alcohol uh, witnessing, even though that's a great thing. If that's a temptation for you, stay out of that. You, you don't need anything in your life that might tempt you to sin. 
Moses says, don't even have it. Don't have it in your possession. Don't allow it to be anywhere near you. You have fair weights and measures, period. And so don't even possess deceitful tools. Don't even possess things that might bring you temptation. But he says that you're to live with perfect integrity. And notice again what he says there. You shall have a full and fair measure you shall have. A full and fair weight you shall have. A full and fair measure you shall have. He, he uses these two words here, and he, they're synonymous. These words are synonymous with one another. Uh, the, the word there for full is uh, the, the word shalem in the Hebrew, if you care. Uh, but it must remain accurate. Conforming exactly to a standard. Conforming exactly to a standard. Full weights and measures. They're conforming exactly to a standard. And, and the other word there is fair. Now this is an interesting word. Uh, it's uh, tzaddik uh, is the Hebrew word. And the reason that's a, a, an important word is because it's the very word that's used for righteousness. And if you know the Hebrew language and you're reading Deuteronomy in the Hebrew language, you see this word coming back again over and over and over again because he's calling God's people to live with perfect righteousness. You're to live with righteousness. God's righteousness. You're to conform to God's standard. And this word means righteous standards, righteous weights and measures. And this word, again, means to adhere to what is required according to a standard adhere to a standard so adhere to a standard and adhere to a standard he uses these two words in conjunction with one another to to bring out one important kind of concept you are to be perfectly honest you're to have perfectly honest weights and measures god's people are to have perfectly honest weights and measures as they deal with one another and their business practices god's people are to live with perfect integrity god's people are to live with perfect integrity be ye holy as the lord your god is holy act with perfect integrity as the lord your god acts with perfect integrity god's people are to act and live with perfect integrity. Now, how does this apply to us? Not being that we, since we don't measure out our items and, and deal in that way, well, how does this apply to us? How does this look like, what does this look like in our own lives? Well, of course, we had the Bernie Madoff example at the beginning of the message. There's an introductory, introductory example. Uh, crooked business practices we must be and in, have integrity in everything that we do as far as business goes we're not to be embezzlers right we're not to embezzle people's money cheat people out of money everything that we do should be above uh, above the the on on the books you know right and everything in order everything is to be perfectly right we're to do business with perfect integrity but uh you're you're not in the business game anymore you're retired well, how does this affect you a day-to-day -day life uh, maybe you don't own your own business you, you work for somebody whatever the case may be well well just think about this think about you're at the restaurant and 
you had a nice steak dinner. I don't know, the last time Meredith and I went and had a nice steak dinner at one of these nice restaurants, it cost upwards of almost 100 bucks because, I mean, steaks aren't cheap these days. Uh, but, but think about it. You, you go out with your loved one and, and you have a nice steak dinner. And, and you, you get the check back and it's half of what you, you thought it should be, right? You, we, I, kinda, I don't know about you, but I look at the prices when we order, and I'm, I'm kind of figuring it at least halfway in my head, uh, so I kinda, I'm not shocked when the check comes. Sometimes I'm still shocked when the che- check comes, but, but I try to not be so shocked. But, but think about it. You, you, you kind of have it in your mind that it's going to be about $100, and, and it comes back, and it's, say, uh, it's $75. It's not quite half, but it's $75, and Man, that, that seems off. And, and so you start going down through the items there, and, oh, well, man, she missed a steak. She didn't get Mary Beth's steak. Now, what do you do? What do you do? You see, this is where your integrity is tried. Because you could say, lucky me. I got a steak for free. And you write out that check, you give her a hefty little tip, and you go on about your business. Or, do you say, hey, ma'am, excuse me, ma'am, uh, I'm sorry, you, you missed my wife's steak here. You made a mistake in the calculation, and, and you left off her steak. Uh, you want to go change this and correct it before I pay my tab? What do you do? You, you go to the bank teller. And you, you deposit some money, and you get some money back. That's, I usually do that every time I, I get paid. I go deposit the majority of my check, and, and I, I get a little bit of money back. And, I, and uh, so w- what do you do when you go in? And, and sometimes, you know those, when they have new $20 bills, it, it, it's hard because some of them, they get stuck together. And, and so they have to be really careful about counting those out. Well, what if you, you, you go in and you say, I need $100 back. And then you get your money back, and you're sitting there, and you're counting that 20, 40, 60, 80, 1, 20. Oh, wait. Oh, there's an extra 20 here. What do you do? Do you drive off? Or do you say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you gave me one extra 20 here. What do you do? God's people are called to live in perfect, integrity God's people are called to live in perfect integrity what about on income taxes what about when it comes to filling out those income tax forms I I mean we we, we don't want to pay any more than we're supposed to pay for sure I don't know Sometimes it's real easy to write off something you know you shouldn't write off. Cheat a little bit on your taxes. Someone says, doesn't everybody cheat on their taxes? God's people are called to live with perfect integrity. Even on their taxes. God's people are called to live with perfect integrity. Now, then, then Moses goes on as he, he that's the idea. Uh, God's people are called to live with perfect integrity, and then he goes to show us why. He, he gives us some reasons to, to ground this, per, this perfect integrity in. 
as we, he works on through there. First of all, he, he shows us that we're to live in perfect integrity. God's people are called to live in perfect integrity because God blesses perfect integrity. God blesses perfect integrity. All right, this is the positive. Notice what he says there. After he says, a full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have. Notice this, that, that's the purpose statement, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now Moses is pointing to a covenantal promise that God gave to the people of Israel. He promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would bring their offspring back and he would give them the land of promise. They are getting ready now to enter into the land of promise and and conquer it and make it their own, just like God had promised them they will go to do that. And then he says, Now live in perfect integrity that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Because one of the covenantal curses of the the covenant was that if you don't live according to God's standard, if you don't keep the covenant, then God will take the land from you. And we know Israel, if you're familiar with Israel's history, that Israel didn't live up to the commandments, and God eventually sent them back into exile and took the land away. But here's the promise. He's saying, I will uphold the covenant. And if you follow my commandments, I, I will give you life. In the land of promise, I will fulfill the covenant. And we're not Israel, and we're not going into the promised land in you know, Palestine there, but we are Christians. We're in the new covenant. And here we have the blessings from the Lord poured out upon us. As we, we seek Christ, and as we seek to live like Christ, the promise still applies to us that God will bless us. He will give us the, the blessings of His covenant with Christ. As we live out His commands, even in our own lives, as we reflect Christ's character in our own lives. Well, you say, well, what about the wicked wealthy then? What about the wicked wealthy who seem to, to, to keep gathering riches, getting richer, while the righteous poor contend to, continue to live in poverty? Well, God's covenantal blessings are not always realized. Seldom are they realized in worldly wealth. God's covenantal blessings are realized in kingdom wealth. They're realized in kingdom wealth. Some of the the poorest people, right? You, You know some of them. Some of the poorest people are the richest in faith. They may have nothing as far as worldly goods go, but they are rich in faith. Their relationship with God is strong. They enjoy that relationship every day. Every day is a a day that the Lord has made, and they rejoice and they're glad in it because they are right with the Lord. And you also know some of the richest of the rich who are absolutely miserable in life. You see, that's the fulfillment of God's promise to even to us New Testament Christians, New Covenant Christians. As we live 
according to God's plan, according to His way, according to His will, then we receive the covenantal blessings in our lives. Our relationship with God is strong and we feel His presence even when we go through difficult times. We feel the Lord's presence about us. Even when we're going through sorrow and misery, sometimes we can rejoice in the Lord. Paul, when he was in prison, said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. In moments when he was at his lowest, he said, I rejoice in the Lord. See, when we're following God's will, and we're seeking Him first, then we realize His joy. We can be rich in His blessings. Live with perfect integrity because God blesses perfect integrity through a relationship and eternal reward. Live with perfect integrity because God blesses perfect integrity. Second, Live with perfect integrity because God disdains covetous, covetous deceit. God disdains covetous deceit. Continuing on in our, our text here, we pick up there in verse 16. For all who do such things, all who do such things, that is, they have the, they, they're, they're dishonest in their dealings. All who do such things, all who act dishonestly, are an abomination to the Lord your God. All, not some, all, not those who call themselves Christians and they just do a little bit on the side, all who act dishonestly are an abomination to the Lord. Now, what's that word? We don't use that every day. Anybody used abomination in a sentence this week? Not me, but other than this morning, right? No, not me. Uh, abomination is something that causes horror and disgust. Something that is absolutely repugnant. This weekend I went hunting. And uh, went deer hunting is opening season or opening day in, in Warren yesterday. So I went up there and I went hunting. And I, and I remember, I just kind of remember back in my childhood growing up going to the deer camp. That was a great time for me. I love going to the deer camp. Nowadays, you got to dig a hole and, and bury. If you kill a deer and you skin it out and get the meat off and then you take the, the carcass, the guts, and you take the carcass and you, and you got to bury it. But back in the day, you didn't have to do that. And back in the day, when I was going to the deer camp, we had a, the gut pile. We called it that. It was the gut pile. Uh, it was a place just out in the middle of our, our deer lease there. Uh, and that's where we took all the guts. And so you, you can imagine a deer camp full of people. And they're killing deer all season long. And, and all the guts are going to the gut pile. And, and, you know, about halfway through the year, because, you know, it doesn't get cold, really, in Arkansas and North Louisiana. Yeah, there's some hot days and there's some cool days. But it, it really doesn't, if we have any freezes, it's on past deer season. Deer season's over with. So by the end of the year, that gut pile is repugnant. It is repugnant. It is disgusting. There's flies everywhere. And I hated, I hated, I hated having to go with Daddy to the gut pile to dump some guts halfway through the season because it was repugnant. 
It was offensive. It was disgusting. And God says those who are dishonest are like a rotten, disgusting gut pile to me. They're an abomination. The dishonest, dishonesty is an abomination. It is repugnant to the Lord. God disdains covetous deceit. It is like rotting flesh, putrid in the nostrils of God. Dear Christian, live with perfect integrity because God disdains covetous deceit. So live with perfect integrity because God's blessing... Uh, because he blesses perfect integrity. Live with perfect integrity because God disdains covetous deceit. And third, live with perfect integrity because God judges covetous deceit. He judges, he will judge covetous deceit. As we continue on here, this is a, a little paragraph starting in verse 17 that it, it seems out of place if you, you're just reading through here and you're wondering why, why does he throw this in here well i hope i might connect it to with you a little bit here starting verse 17 remember so he's just been telling he's just told them god uh, 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 dishonesty is an abomination to the lord covenant's deceit is an abomination to the lord remember what amalek did to you on the way as you came out of egypt how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. He didn't care about God's will. He had no concern for God's blessings upon the people of Israel. He had no, no, no concern for what God was concerned for. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land your Lord, the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. Now how does this connect with covetous deceit? How does this connect with covetous deceit? Well, according to Thomas Aquinas, covetous deceit manifests itself in a few different ways. We see two of those ways manifested here in our text. The, uh, we see that of, of covetous deceit uh, in the first part. First, when, when covetous deceit affects things, like things, just money and that sort of thing, it is fraud. Like we saw in the unfair business practices but when covetous deceit affects people, it's treachery. As in this present example. Amalek here, it's covetous deceit that causes him to go out and attack Israel. He doesn't attack them head on. He doesn't face them head on. No, what does he want to do? He's going to cut off the tail. He's going to cut off the weak part of Israel. Those who are, are old and, and weak and unable to keep up as they begin to lack, lack behind, he attacks them so that he can plunder them and take their possessions. 
You see, he's covetous. He wants what they have. And so instead of going against the nation that he knows, he, he, God's with them. Has already dis, uh, dis, uh, he's already shown that he's with them, demonstrated that he's with them. And so he's not going to attack the, the main body, but he'll attack that, the weak people. He takes advantage of the vulnerable to satiate his covetous greed. And God says... I'm going to wipe their name out of the book. I'm going to remove their name from the annals of, annals of history. I'm going to wipe them out in judgment for their covetousness, their covetous treachery. I'm going to blot their name from memory. And be assured of this, God never forgets. Notice what he says. You shall not forget. He's telling Israel, you're not to forget this because I'm not. I'm going to remember their treachery. I'm going to remember their covetousness. And my judgment is they are going to be wiped out because of their covetousness. God judges covetous deceit. Psalm 34, 16, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Covetous and covetousness and greed, you remember, led Judas to sell Jesus, to betray, to, to betray Jesus for 30 years. Pieces of silver. And then Jesus says of Judas in Matthew 26, 24, the Son of Man goes at his, it is, as it is written of him, but woe to the man. Woe to the man. That's judgment language, by the way. Woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Woe to the man. Woe to the woman who is given to covetous deceit. God says, I will judge them. Live with perfect integrity because God judges covetous deceit. Live with perfect integrity because God blesses perfect integrity and He disdains and judges covetous deceit. But, of course, we see here the rub, right? I hope you feel it a little bit. I hope you feel the rub here because only one, only one ever accomplished perfect integrity any anybody here ever lived a perfectly integrity lived in perfectly perfect integrity their whole lives anybody any hands not a hand in the house you see we can't achieve perfect integrity as children we lied to our parents as adults we lied lied to other people when things didn't go our way or when they were going our way we lie 
we don't live with perfect integrity. Every act of covetous deceit, along with every other sin in, in your life, every sin that you have ever committed, is putrid in the nostrils of God and worthy, worthy of having your name wiped away. That's what we deserve. Psalm 34, 16, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Not just covetous deceit, but evil across the board. To cut off the memory of them from the earth because of our sin, we deserve to have our memory blotted out of, from the face of the earth. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. But God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we deserve to have our memory blotted out, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. See, Christ died for our covetous deceit just as He died for every sin that we have ever committed by God's grace through faith in Jesus, we have forgiveness of our deceit. We have forgiveness for our covetousness, our greed. We have, we have forgiveness for every sin that we have ever committed. In Christ, He paid the penalty for our sin in our place so that we might receive the blessings of God in our lives for His perfect integrity. In addition to that, dear Christian, as you trust in Christ, as you put your faith into Him, as you live for Him, now here's the wonderful thing, He gives us power. Right? In Christ, we were, before Christ, we were children of God's wrath. Destined for God's judgment. Destined to have our memory blotted out. But in Christ, we are children of God's blessing. In Christ, now we have not only our sin blotted out, but now He gives us the power through the power of the Holy Spirit to live in perfect integrity, to pursue that in our own lives of Christians. Do not live in covetous deceit. But live in perfect integrity through the grace 
and power of God in your life. Now, if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, then you don't have that power working in you. You are in your sin. And if you remain in your sin, one day God will blot your name out. When you stand before the throne of God's judgment, you will stand there in your sin and he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Your name will be blotted out. And you will be sent to eternal judgment. But today, the Lord offers the gift of salvation. To not have your name blotted out, but to have your name added to the book, the book of life. If you'll only receive Christ. Will you trust in Him today? Surrender your life to Him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Because everyone here, Lord, we know that if it were not for your grace, our name would be blotted out because we deserve judgment, punishment for our rebellion against you, a holy God. Thank you for the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for the power that you give us in, in the Holy Spirit to, to change the way we live so that we might live holy unto you. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. Help us, empower us to live for your glory. And Lord, if anyone here today doesn't know Jesus, let them feel the weight of your judgment upon their shoulders. Let it burden them. Let it push them down so that they fall upon their knees before your throne of grace and trust you for redemption. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.